love, marriage? Is there an order to these two, or does it not matter? We'll find out on this episode of Inverse. Coming to you from Silver Spring, Maryland, welcome to Inverse, a Bible-based conversation on life principles, contemporary issues, and thought-provoking perspectives. Now here's your host, Justin Kim, with Inverse. Love and marriage, and we'll even put the word sex in there. Is there an order to these things? On this episode, we're looking at the concepts of biblical sexuality, and as we are talking about a sensitive matter, we want to encourage you that if you have minors in the area, to be mindful of the subject at hand. Uh, we're going to go to the Bible. We're going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 7, 1 through 9, and we're going to ask uh, Jonathan I, to I, read, I, but I Israel, if you can pray for us. And by the way, hey, <laughs> I, I didn't welcome you guys to the studio. Hey, Hi. welcome. Hi. Hello, how are you? <laughs> we appreciate okay. that. Uh, you're watching Inverse. My name is Justin Kim. <laughs> I forgot to introduce ourselves. And uh, we're so excited about the topic today. The episode is called Premarital Sexuality. And we are in what are we, episode episode 10. And for about the last nine weeks, we've been looking at different aspects of biblical sexuality, not sexuality as a whole, but what the Bible has to say, and di- different presuppositions of Scripture. And we want to encourage you to go to inversebible.org where you can catch up and binge watch all these exciting episodes uh, that have been very, very, very mm-hmm. uh, efficacious, very, very teach-worthy, very, very, very juicy. Uh, So let's go to, well, let's pray. Um, Let's pray. Israel, can you pray for us? Sure, I'll be happy to pray, Justin. (laughs) Father in heaven, we are addressing a topic that is uh, extremely important, especially in today's society, and we pray Mm -hmm. that you would bless us with your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you for that. 1 Corinthians chapter 7 in Jonathan. Now concerning the things of which you wrote to me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. Nevertheless, because of sexual immorality, let each man have his own wife and let each woman have her own husband. Let the husband render to his wife the affection due to her and likewise also the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. And likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Do not deprive one another except with consent for a time, that you may give yourselves to fasting and prayer and come together again so that Satan does not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. But I say this as a concession, not as a commandment. For I wish that all men were, even as I myself... But each one has his own gift from God, one in this manner and another in that. But I say to the unmarried and to the widows, it is good for them if they remain even as I am. But if they cannot exercise self-control, let them marry, for it is better to marry than to burn with passion. Okay, thank you. This is a very interesting passage, and we're going to dive deep into this passage. Uh, I want to ask Callie, um, our our topic is on on premarital sex. It is. Uh, Why many people think it's wrong, or Mm -hmm. maybe think the church is wrong, the Bible. There's no Bible verse that talks about being wrong. Why, why Why is it wrong? For the same reason we believe in the Trinity. (laughs) Okay. Hey, you want to... Huzzah! (laughs) (laughs) What do you mean? (laughs) Just like in the Bible, there's no verse that says there's a Trinity and this Mm. is who it is. Mm -hmm. But there are many passages that emerge at... It, it implies that there's a trinity mm-hmm. and we can see principles like that makes sense here, 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 here. And there mm-hmm. we bring a composite picture of the trinity mm-hmm. is real. Mm-hmm. And in the same way, pre- there is no verse that says thou shalt not have premarital sex, mm-hmm. full stop. That mm-hmm. doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. But there are principles throughout scripture that say this is how sex, this is how, uh, sex should happen in these parameters. And mm-hmm. this is good, this is not good, this is good, this is not good. And even though premarital sex, that phrase, and even something that's a, a very strong synonym isn't used, all the principles together 
say, yeah, that mm -hmm. that's what it mm -hmm. is. Wonderfully said. Wonderfully said. Yeah. What uh, what are well? Let's get into the text here, okay? Yeah. Um, Israel, share with us and 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 what's what's going on in this text and how does it feed into our topic of yeah. sexuality? I think if you if you were to take up the whole text and sum it up, essentially what Paul is saying is that sexual fulfillment is not the ultimate goal in life, mm. right? Mm -hmm. And and many times that's kind of what we what we believe as human beings, especially when we're younger, right? Oh man, I hope you Jesus. You see that in every supermarket. You yeah. see that in every movie. You see that in every yeah sexual fulfillment, sexual yeah. fulfillment. But and that's not like, the goal. That's not the goal. That's what that's what uh, Paul is saying, right? Yes. That sexual fulfillment at the end of the day, that's not the greatest concern that God has for our lives. Mm -hmm. And neither is and, and by by uh, extension, sexual fulfillment is not the greatest fulfillment that one can experience, right? Because mm -hmm. that's kind of what we think. Yeah. We think that we cannot be happy unless we are sexually fulfilled. Yep. Just so, parenthetically, it is still a gift from God that He does good. give for yeah. us to experience, right. but it is not the all in all of experiences and you've achieved right. nirvana afterwards. Right? Yeah. And it's not the ultimate purpose. As yes. a matter of fact, he, he, he continues to say that he, you can experience fulfillment even without it. And that's what he's saying. He's mm -hmm. saying, I wish there were people that were even as I am, but the fact is that in many cases, you, there is a lack of self-control. Mm -hmm. And so in many cases, the problem with the human race is the fact that is the fact that we come to the topic with the with the position of a lack of self-control. Mm -hmm. And so scripture then has to provide boundaries in which we can kind of function. Mm -hmm. But that's what kind of sticks out. That, 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 that is a, a, a strong presupposition you find all throughout scripture, right? Mm -hmm. But the presupposition of the world is you need to have sex. Yes. Yeah. You need, and if you don't, you will die. Mm -hmm. You yep. will die. There will be grave markers everywhere. This person died <laughs> because he did not have sex. Just one day he spontaneously exploded, mm -hmm. right? And, that, that, and um, funny, I'm being but humorous, <laughs> but that is a presupposition that a lot yes. of people have. A, a lot of people, it's a script that a lot of, a lot of young adults are, are, have grown, grow up with. Mm -hmm. And even though they, they, there's just overwhelming societal pressure to, and, and yeah. you can, you know, yes. you know all, all this. And well, I was going to say, even if like, sometimes people say they want to wait, but then they can't. Like I remember when I was single and someone asked me like, oh, so you don't, but you don't like sleep around. Like you don't like to tap. I was like, no, I don't. They're like, I wish I could do that. I would die. Mm. I'm like, mm. so, so even even like people express a desire to do that, but like that's mm. impossible mm -hmm. because of that script. Mm -hmm. So you're even limiting your ability to live a certain way mm -hmm. because you think it's impossible for you to physically not do something. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, John. yeah. Really, uh, when it comes down to it, uh, is, you know, what are what, is, what are the motivations in your life? Obviously, mm -hmm. as a Christian, um, the way I look at it, while and, and I want to acknowledge that, of course, as Paul acknowledges this, uh, this you know, the, the sex drive. We, we are sexual beings. Yes. There is a desire in us to experience this, and there's nothing wrong with that. God yes. has given us right. that. Yes. But um, when we understand that, as you said, Israel, it is not the most important thing in life, number one. Number two, when we understand that this is something that is supposed to happen in marriage, mm -hmm. uh, we can look at God and say, God, you fulfill me first. I want to be feel fulfilled in you first. And I think, actually, that is the... One of the keys to, you know, we had an episode on, on incredible sex, right? Uh, one of the keys to really experiencing a complete sexual experience as God intends it to be is you have first uh, a wholesome experience with God, a wholesome relationship with God, so that you can then uh, enter this really the sexual encounter is a spiritual experience as well in the right way and in a beautiful way. So Paul is telling us here, that we need to uh, keep that in mind, that the priorities are first God and then all these other desires, you know, follow. But what I was going to say to what you said is that the motivation um, 
to stay uh, pure and to stay away from premarital sex uh, as a Christian is my love for God, my, my desire to have, have you know, that relationship with Him that fulfills me and, and brings me joy, uh, kind of what Paul experienced himself, what he mm-hmm. exemplified. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Can I say something here? Yes. In verse 3 it says, uh, chapter 7, verse 3? Yeah, it mm-hmm. says, let the husband render to his wife the affection due her, mm-hmm. and then likewise also the wife to her husband. Th- this is also a critical principle that it's important for us to discuss, and that is that the, the sexual uh, intimacy uh, relationship that exists between two individuals is designed to be, even within the Christian context, is designed to be selfless, mm-hmm. which is kind of mind-boggling. How is this even possible, right? right? Because there's so much personal fulfillment from it. Mm-hmm. But notice here that the scripture says that as, as personally fulfilling as it is, mm-hmm. the intent of sexual intimacy is for the other individual. Mm-hmm. And so this cannot exist within the marriage context, right? It is in the marriage context that you're able to ex- to have this kind of expression. And so he says, the purpose of sex is so that you can actually um, uh, render to your spouse yes. the affection that they deserve. Mm-hmm. And so there's a certain ex- there's a certain affection that the 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 person that you're married to deserves, and mm-hmm. the sexual intimacy is a part of that, right? Mm-hmm. It's not just the only thing, but it's a part of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love the I love the concept of, of the sexual equity that you see there. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of a lot of you know the, the 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 presupposition is that hey, males have high sex drives, females don't, and then there, in a lot of cultures, females are like, oh yeah, they have to feel it's more out of duty or more mm-hmm. out of just kidding, whatever. But there are, uh, as you said, human beings were created as sexual beings yes. to have these sex drives. It is not a sinful thing. It's not something to be abhorred. This is something God put into our programming in our human nature and within the confines and the protectorate of marriage we can express in the the line of service Mm -hmm. whether male-female and female-male there's there's some sex. I I love the the equity there. Mm -hmm. The equality there. Um, Other principles that you find in chapter 7. Principles Mm -hmm. of marriage. It's very interesting that you see principles of marriage although he's advocating for singlehood here. It's a very interesting thing. Um, uh, In verse 5 it says do not deprive one another except with consent for a time. I think it's important also and it kind of goes with what we have said but to acknowledge that um Sex is part of marriage, mm-hmm. and it is not and it is not to be used as a tool to manipulate or well. Okay. If you do this, then you get this. No, no. Sex is the sexual um, encounter is as we said in early episodes as well. It's celebration of what has already taken place in your marriage, of your faithfulness, of your of your covenant to each other, and you're not to to use it as a tool to manipulate each other or to you know. Well, you're not gonna you know we're not gonna have any uh, intimacy uh, if you not do this or whatever. Error. Mm-hmm. So uh, Paul is saying he's acknowledging, even though he's talking about you know abstaining and so on, he's he's acknowledging that in the marriage context, the sexual experience is is to be that the sexual encounter is to be experienced mm-hmm. and is not to be withho- withheld unless for a short time uh, to pray and to you know you know study and so on. Um, mm-hmm. But it is, yes. it is important. There, there's a spiritual discipline yes. that he embeds into his his counsel. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I appreciate that that with with uh, in, in in relation to our topic of premarital sexuality, mm-hmm. that that there needs to be marriage. There needs to be covenant. There need, and, and people ask why 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 is there a commitment? Is God just trying to kind of lock you in and the old ball and chain or whatever? But at least on the psychological level, there needs to be 
permanence. There yes. needs to be an absence of risk mm -hmm. for us, for the two individuals to engage into that matter, that level of depth yes. and vulnerability, vulnerability and that mm -hmm. premium sexual experience that the permanence needs mm -hmm. to be a foundation. Yes. Yeah. But with premarital sex or the other other versions out there, without that, it may be it may look more exciting and more, you know, la la la. But the, the, it, the, there's a certain level that cannot be accessed because there is the fear of abandonment or or right. what, what's going to happen or or whatnot, and yeah. that's something that God has not designed. Yeah, yeah really, really, as you said, that the. the, the the fullest sexual experience will not take place until you have uh, that foundation that comes with marriage. Mm -hmm. Like you might, as you said, it might sound exciting outside and you're doing whatever, mm -hmm. but like you are actually missing out mm -hmm. if you engage in premarital sex. You, because the, the, the sexual experience in marriage in the right context with a relationship mm -hmm. with God, etc., is so much more premium, so much mm -hmm. more amazing because it's so much more holistic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're going to take a break right now, but when we come back, we're going to look at the cons of cohabitation. What's wrong with shacking up? and just living and, and uh, test driving the car, if you will. This is Inverse. I'm Justin Kim. Stay with us after the break. Has Inverse been a blessing to you? Do you have questions, comments, or feedback you'd like to leave us? Find us on social media by searching Inverse Bible on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube. While there, join us, like us, heart us, thumbs up us. Our handle again is Inverse Bible, no spaces. Now, back to the discussion. Hey, welcome back. There are a, 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 an alarming and a larger number of young adults who, in many societies, it is the majority where you live together. And the question is, uh, does the Bible talk about that? Is that wrong? Is that right? And should the should we as as uh, even cast judgment on them? What's wrong if they're living a good spiritual life? Who are we to judge that they're 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 doing adult activities mm. behind closed doors? Uh, shed light on this from from this passage, Israel. Yeah. I've had the opportunity as a minister to counsel many young people who are building their relationships together and ultimately decide to get married. Mm. And this has been actually a growing trend mm -hmm. among even among Christian couples. Mm -hmm that they they want to live together mm -hmm. and as you mentioned you know there's there's an element of trial that takes place prior to making a final commitment mm -hmm. and in many cases seem this seems to be actually a very logical approach to a relationship i think what happens here is that there's a misunderstanding regarding what the purpose of the premarital relationship is. Mm -hmm. The premarital relationship does not exist to kind of test my relationship with another individual. What it does is that it provides an avenue, it provides a venue, it provides a testing ground for me to be able to check my own self, mm -hmm. right? Test my own ability, my own readiness for marriage. Mm -hmm. Why? Because once I have committed to marriage, this is an eternal thing. And, and this is the problem that many of us have with marriage even afterwards, is that whenever we get into a marriage relationship, the temptation is always to think it's the other person's fault, mm -hmm. right? It's the other person's fault why our marriage is not good. It's the other person's fault why I'm not sexually fulfilled. It's the other person's fault why I'm not emotionally fulfilled. Why does this exist? This exists because in the premarital relationship, we have set up ourselves to always focus on what the other individual is. Does, are we compatible? Mm -hmm. Is this person compatible with me? Are we sexually compatible? Et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the main reasons why 
it's important for us to not have these kinds of distractions within the premarital context of our relationship. Mm -hmm. It should focus on self and my personal readiness, not my compatibility so much with or the other person's compatibility with me. Mm -hmm. yeah, that's, that's, that's awesome. That's awesome. I think we need to stress that yeah, point yeah, that when in marriage, you don't enter marriage being you know, perfectly compatible and everything's worked out and ironed out, but that's how we often think we have to be. Mm -hmm. um, Throughout your entire experience of marriage, you are growing together and you're, you know, iron sharpens iron. It's a process. And there will always be, there will be conflict. There will be issues. Mm -hmm. And even if you're the most holy couple in the world, there will be issues. Mm -hmm. And so we have to accept that as a reality and not stress out to think I have to make sure everything's ironed out before we enter into a relationship. No, as you said, first you need to iron out some personal issues that you between you and God and, and there's, there, there's a, it's a time for everything um, but if I can quickly take it to the Bible here um, in Genesis chapter 2 uh, we, we do get uh, some biblical counsel as well as far as pre, pre, you know um, living together before you're married yes, back to Genesis mm -hmm. chapter 2 2 verse, verse 24 24 yes it says there therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and they shall become one flesh here we see what is the order uh, of service you know what's the order like you, you are with father you live with uh, live with your father and mother and then you yes. leave yes um, and then you it, clean yeah yes <laughs> you clean so of course not everyone lives with their parents before they get married but this was you know how it was originally and there's yes. nothing wrong with not living with your parents before you marry However, you don't you don't you, you don't enter into that oneness with your your spouse until marriage, yeah. and that includes where you live. Yeah, yeah this, uh, all of our discussions they go back to uh, like episode one, these scripts. Mm -hmm. Some cultures, you know, you cohabiting is is the norm, right? Mm -hmm. You you go out on your own and you, and you live with someone, and, and that's norm. And if that's the norm, why can't we bring that norm into the church? That, that's mm. that's one. And then you're bringing up Genesis two. There's some people that you know you live with your parents, and after you live, uh, if you get married, you live with your parents until they die, right? And right. until you die. I mean, if someone has to die for something to take place. So that's also a cultural norm. Why can't we bring that into church? So we find that scripture mm. in many ways is, is counter-cultural. Yes. Yeah. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, we want to encourage you to go to hope, uh, hopetv.org slash universe and look at the past episodes and especially episode one, which really is informing a lot of our episodes afterwards. Mm -hmm. Kelly. I want to speak to another reason people might uh, try to go down this path of just mm. living together and mm. trying things out. Mm -hmm. And that is the realm of fear. Okay. Now, it might not be explicit, but it's, I'm not sure this is going to work out. Yeah. So I don't want to get married because, mm. like, divorces are messy. They're financial. They, like, make people sad. So, like, let's just, what's the big deal about us cohabitating and just trying it out? Yeah. And, you know, growing up, I was very afraid of divorce because so many people get divorced. And so I'm like, I, I really resonate with that fear because it is a terrifying reality. Mm -hmm. But that requires us to allow God to guide our relationships yes. mm -hmm. because it's not because we if we just take this as people who don't already surrender their lives to God we're like oh don't cohabitate it's like well I don't even listen to other things so like why would I listen to that mm -hmm. but if if we really want to surrender everything to God he can guide us into yes. godly marriages that last the test That's of right. time mm -hmm. and I even think you know like my my husband and I we were long distance the majority of our relationship mm -hmm. and so we didn't get to go grocery shopping together we didn't get to balance the check things that make people fight we get to talk about finances as much but even in the first months of our marriage we we moved a different continent we renovated an apartment we hosted my family for like two months and we still liked each other at the end of it 
But it's like, we didn't get to live together. How did we know that was going to work out? How did we know if the toothpaste was on the right side of the sink? Because we talked about the things that mattered the most. Right. And so then when we yes. were together, everything else, we can make it work out. Right. Mm -hmm. Even if it doesn't do it naturally. Mm -hmm. So God is a trustworthy God. He's not like, oh, I'm going to let you run it your, yourself and you figure it out. If you get in yeah. divorce, sucks to be you. Mm -hmm. But we can trust him to see us into a godly relationship. So we don't have to test it ourselves. Mm -hmm. We can trust our hearts in his hands. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I really like what you're bringing out there, the, the yeah. fear factor. And also it has to do with, I want to control the situation. About that we, 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 we want <laughs> to control everything that's going to take place. And yes. it's about surrendering control to God, saying, I trust God is going to help me with this. Mm -hmm. And this has, it's not just with premarital sex, it's also with, you know, uh, um, anything really. Do I trust that God's script, God's plan is really good? Mm -hmm. How do I know? Well, you look at the Word of God, you look at your relationship with Him, and you see uh, uh, that He really has only the best in mind for you. Mm -hmm. Yes, it might go against what you sometimes feel or desire, right. but you will see on the other end how much better His way is. Mm -hmm. And the same goes for this. Yeah, it's just, a, it's really powerful, powerful. Uh, mm -hmm. What I appreciate about our conversation is that it's foundational to how marriages are then built up. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's important for people, especially those people who are not married yet, sex in a marriage relationship is vastly different from out outside of a marriage relationship. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you know, the, the idea of premarital sex or being able to have multiple partners or being able to not commit in the marriage relationship in, in order to have sexual intimacy, the, 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 the foundation that is being laid is gonna be vastly different and will not apply within the marriage context. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, with, when you're dealing with premarital intimacy, the, the constant uh, f focus of that is yourself, you know, you, and you essentially are finding people who are matching in their experience, who also have the similar focus, and then that that matches up. What does that produce? Mm. It produces a, it, it produces an enormous amount of insecurity, mm -hmm. right? Am I the best person they've ever slept with? Was I good enough? You know, uh, or am I just being after a while? You just feel, am I just being used? Mm -hmm. And within the marital context, is vastly different, yes. right? In order to experience the intimacy that is necessary to make a marriage happy, it's not the same way. It's not whenever you want, we're going to do. It's not going to be, you know, I'm going to shoot a text and everything's going to be uh, all, you know, nice and easy for things to work out. Marriage, within the marriage context, sexual intimacy takes a lot of work, mm. right? It takes a lot of coordination. It begins with, you know, it, it, they washing say the it, it begins with washing <laughs> the dishes or, or, or making a meal, right? <laughs> all of these things are critically important to a happy uh, sexual intimate marriage. And so these two worlds do not meet. They, they do not they do not work together they're very very separate mm -hmm. and it's important for us to understand that when we are engaged in this kind of lifestyle mm -hmm. marriage lays also the foundation for uh, the sexual experience to be really a sanctifying experience because uh, in the in the context of marriage you build trust and a lot of grace is needed in a marriage relationship yes. for it to yeah. work out mm -hmm. and in the sexual encounter in that nakedness that takes place you are showing grace towards your partner because you uh, both both spouses do it towards each other and you you realize wow i'm accepted with all my flaws with all my issues not just you know physical issues but really uh, any all the issues that my partner knows about me last week right they yeah, still yeah. love me mm -hmm. and that is a beautiful uh, experience of, of grace and forgiveness and love that takes place there that reflects how God treats us. Mm -hmm. yes. um, so, 
and you will not encounter that outside of the marriage context uh, to such a degree. So I think it's, it's, there's just so, so much that takes place uh, in, with, within the marriage context that you cannot reproduce outside. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and in many cases, sadly, it's even hard to experience that within yes. a marriage. There's a lot of marriages who unfortunately are not yes. able not to experience yes. that, Very that sad. beauty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'd like to shift and, and go to Genesis 2, if you will, 2.22, mm-hmm. and maybe address a little bit about the first wedding, the first marriage <laughs> service. Oh, yeah. Uh, that really sets the, the, the proper tone for, for future marriages. Verse 22, Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into woman, and he brought her to the man. And Adam said, This is now the bone of my bones, the flesh of my flesh, and she should be called woman, because she was taken out of man. You see, this is kind of a, kind of a proto a wedding service here. Mm-hmm. You see man and one meeting together, but they were brought before the Lord. Yes. Or, or the Lord. The Lord is bringing them together, but they're, they're all the three of them are together. Mm-hmm. And this shows you that the, it testifies the power of God being, being with the relationship since the beginning mm-hmm. and carrying it out till, till, till the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, today, we have so many wedding services that are so much more than a, than a sacred ceremony. It's just, uh, we don't have witnesses anymore. Mm-hmm. We have guests. Right. We don't have uh, musical offerings anymore. We have special numbers. We have special, you know, here's our, our musical song. And, and very interesting now that, that, that grooms and um, bridesmaids. brides Brides, not bridesmaids, oh, brides. Bride. Uh, bride. Uh, <laughs> okay. Anyway, depending on the concept we're talking about. Uh, they, they are, they're, they're promising to each other. They're making vows to each other. But really the directionality should be all be going to God, right? Mm-hmm. They're, they're, they're making vows to God. Right. Uh, by the time of the wedding service, they should have already uh, promised each other. Hopefully right. that discussion has already taken place. And all those who are guests are really witnesses of them making a promise to God. Mm-hmm. And that God being there since the beginning well, it really ensures that God is the Lord of that, that couple and kind of seals them. And we see that language in Song of Solomon. Mm-hmm. Um, how, why is it? Where did the shift take place? How come we, we, we are moving away from that model? Yeah. Well, I think we're moving away from the model because we are afraid to allow God into the most intimate aspects mm-hmm. of our relationships. Mm-hmm. If you Something that, that I wish would have been mentioned earlier was the fact that God is the one that took upon himself the responsibility of making someone compatible. Mm-hmm. And we said, you know, we don't want God to make a person compatible to, for me because I don't trust them. I need to make my own person. I, uh, I need to find my own compatible individual. Mm-hmm. And I think because we have been afraid to, we have been afraid to entrust God with our own happiness. We've pushed him out of the picture. And then we've taken that responsibility on ourselves. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I just wanted to maybe address also the fact, what if you have already engaged in premarital sex? Okay. Uh, I think the Bible speaks to the reality that God is able to even restore mm-hmm. uh, those you know, wounds that we have inflicted upon ourselves. 100%. And you know, Jesus said, you know, go sin no more. I don't condemn you. If, you. if you confess your sin, God is willing to forgive, to heal, uh, and, and to restore even that will which was lost. Mm-hmm. Uh, virginity is so much more than just physical. It's, it's you know, emotional, spiritual. spiritual yes. And God can heal that yes. and is more than willing to do that. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, yes. Amen, amen. We've been looking at these high ideals in the last uh, couple of episodes and then in this one. And now we want to encourage you to stick with us. And next next, next week, we're going to look at some ways that miss, should you have made a mistake or you're, you've messed up and things have gone wrong, how do I rectify? And what does the Bible have to say about that? We want to encourage the, encourage, uh, the continued conversation on social media under the hand. Of, of Inverse Bible and go to inversebible.org to download our Bible study guides. We're so happy that you decided to join us. We'll see you next week as we continue our conversation on the topic of biblical sexuality. God bless you guys.
You've been listening to Inverse, a Bible-based conversation with Callie Williams, Israel Ramos, Jonathan Walter, Sebastian Braxton, Siku Dako, and your host, Justin Kim. Inverse is brought to you by The Hope Channel, television that changes lives. For this and more inspiring episodes, visit inverse.hopetv.org. Find us on social media, hashtag Inverse Bible. Until next time, this is Inverse.